Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to another episode of Horse Hour. We're just about to learn all about the Blue Cross today. We're going to speak to Gemma Taylor, who is the Education Officer at the Blue Cross. We think long and hard about decisions and they're heartbreaking and you've got to be quite tough to be in this job. This is Horse Hour. Gemma? Hello, I'm fine, thank you. Really excited to be here. Now, we, you know, are complete fans of the Blue Cross because we spoke to Vicky a few months ago and she told us all about the equine side of things and how you guys rehome horses. And you actually used to work with Vicky. Yes, I worked with Vicky for about 10 years. So I used to train the horses. Um, so I used to specialise in the really nervous horses that mm. had had really bad handling or really bad experiences and I would train them and then it was the most rewarding thing that I've probably ever done but I just got a little bit tired of seeing the same thing again and I wanted to try and do something about that by education. It must be really tough. I often think, you know, the guys like you that work in rehoming and helping horses, I'd want to take them all home. Well, I do have three Blue Cross horses at home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mama said no more. <laughs> so, yeah, it is really tough and you, you do form massive bonds with them. But it's always really nice when you find the right home and you know that they can go on and achieve really good things. Yeah. Which ones did you end up taking back with you? I've got an Arab called Shabby. Hmm. Um, and I've just taken on a youngster because I lost my mare last year. So I've got a little four-year-old Arab as well mm. and a miniature Shetland called Tiny Tim. Oh, I love it. <laughs> so what do you do with your miniature Shetland? Because it's not like we can ride them. No, he's a companion because I wanted three because when you hack one out it always leaves the other big one quite stressed in the field so I got three because he's really happy to stay on his own or to have company so he's just brilliant because he just keeps the others company but obviously have to keep them slightly separate because their grazing requirements are very very different so he's got a little pen but he sort of hangs out of his pen and speaks to the others. Do you find they have short man syndrome? Yes. <laughs> I was trying to take a picture of him this morning um, because we send information to our welfare officers just so they can keep an eye on them. And I, I must admit, I phoned her and I said, hmm. I tried to bribe him with a little bit of hi-fi so I could take a photo from behind. And he's got his leg lifted up as if to go get away from my bucket. <laughs> <laughs> so was there, like, when you first started working with the horses that were in need, was there a... a 
like a training thing that you had to go through to learn certain techniques because I only know what I can do with horses I can't imagine how tough it is working with horses that have so many needs and requirements and emotionally unstable no they don't trust they're scared they're nervous was there like a program that the Blue Cross sent you on? Blue Cross are very good at their selection processes with the greens. So they like you to have competing experience. I used to horse vault. So I've done sort of competition you? things. Yeah. Um, and they like you to have maybe owned a horse before. So you've got that real experience of sort of the care of them as well. Um, and they normally require you to be up to BHS stage three as well to know that you, you've done that level of exams to know mm. that you're really capable of, of doing the job. Um, once you're in the Blue Cross, you do get on ongoing training I mean this is daily training because the types of horses that come in are so complex that sometimes you have to undo loads of problems before you can actually start working on them again and regaining their trust Mm. so it's very difficult we're exposed to loads of different training methods Mm. and we just take the good bits and the bits that are going to work for us personally or that might work for that individual horse as well so we don't use one method as such we sort of dip in and out and, and know what works for that individual well so which techniques do you use which ones personally do you like and I know it's different for everyone but yeah I have personally obviously I'm very conventional anyway but I've spent a lot of time with Michael Peace of Think Equus and um I have to say that guy taught me the most about how to work with horses also Ben Hart mm-hmm. as well worked a lot with Ben Hart um, and I've just picked up really sort of different techniques from different people and then I try and make my own training program from that so I try and learn along the way and then just make it individual to me because what works for me is not going to work for someone else so it's quite hard to sort of transfer those skills as such yeah and, and what sort of techniques do they use then what are their methods okay so Ben Hart is very much like breaking training down so it's making it really bite-sized pieces making sure they're confident on each um, bit and he calls it like a shaping plan so you have to make sure they can cope with one level before they move to the next level Mm. so that um, I think that really makes you think about breaking the behavior down or breaking the task down to know exactly what they can cope with and what they can't Um, Mike Peace is very much um you know, keeping the horse concentrating. So when you're schooling it, so that if it's got a problem with spooking, for example, when you're schooling it, ask for flexion, ask for bend, keep it concentrated, keeping it going forward, long and low, getting it stretching, so that the horse is concentrating rather than thinking what's going to fly out of the hedge the whole time. <laughs> but that, I mean, that's just really sort of basic common knowledge, but it's something that we might always forget when we go out for a hack on the mm. bus um, and you don't realise actually that maybe you need to keep your horse concentrating a little bit more. Well, sometimes we're concentrating on what could be scary in front so much that we're not thinking about what the horse is doing. Totally. So it's almost like if you see a plastic bag, then you think, okay, well, there's a plastic bag. Well, let's just keep the horse moving maybe in different direction make them go sideways a little bit or yeah is that right yeah Yeah, no totally totally it's about keeping their concentration and then I think they learn the trust from you as well because you're sort of aiding everything and making them do things and sort of encouraging them forward really okay so I'm going to put you on the spot here because I had a bit of a crisis over the weekend oh no oh you might be able to help so we're out in the new forest Mm -hmm. And in the New Forest, there is loads of wild horses. There's wild cows. There's hundreds of deer. I mean, you can get everything. Everything's wild. We've even got pigs there in the moment. And my horse is very, very calm, generally. He's he's seven years old, but only come back into work in the last year after a two-year break. 
So he's very chilled. I mean, he's a cool horse. But if another horse gets overexcited, mine can't handle that and he doesn't really know what to do. So the other horse um, is a complete Fruit Loop and <laughs> spooked at some cows and some horses and spun so quickly that the rider fell off oh, no. and then bolted and, yeah, bolted off into the forest and took a herd of horses with him. Oh, no. <laughs> I know, I know. So then it's, oh, my poor friend's on the floor. And now my horse, who's over well over 16 hands, decides that he wants to go with the herd and with the other horses. He doesn't want to be by himself. So he starts jogging on the spot, jumping from side to side, being an absolute fool and rearing. So it was very difficult to keep him calm. What on earth can you do in that situation? Do you know what? It, it so depends because I would need to be in that situation to know what to do. Mm. But I would probably keep the horse moving forward because that's it's, it's going to rear as soon as you stop and as soon as it gets a little bit excited or anxious. Um, so maybe pop it on a circle, getting it working on a circle, getting mm-hmm. its concentration and then calming it down that way. It might be that you can do some flexion, some like zigzagging and flexion. Yeah. It might be that the situation is really not very safe and you need to get off and you need to hold the horse. Well, I did. I had to get off because my friend was on the floor. So I had to make sure she was okay. So at this point, my horse is probably the most dangerous he's ever been and he's cantering round me in a circle. Yeah. Whilst the, the herd of horses are still galloping round and round and round, the other horse runs towards us and is now cantering around us which makes it it just it just was the most bizarre I think situations like that you know they're really hard to predict aren't they you Mm. just have to think on your feet and I think it's something that you can generally plan as well if something goes wrong have you got a plan of action Um, I always take some pony nuts in my pocket as well because they are the best thing for calming horses down really yeah if you get the food out it just changes them completely because they're concentrating more on the food than anything else but having said that with horses obviously because their flight instinct and it depends how how much flight instinct your horse has got it might be that food's can't even calm it down mm. so you just it's really difficult to say without being there and, and having the situation yourself yeah and somebody once said to me that if they eat when the horse if you can get them to eat that gets some sort of chemical going in their brain which actually calms them down themselves it's like, i know it's always worked for my horses and when training the horses um and sometimes we use a click we do clicker training as well oh, really and it can really yeah it can really build their confidence but so how yeah. does that work Okay, so it's really difficult to explain, actually. So you have a clicker, Mm -hmm. and it's called positive reinforcement. So basically, the click means that something nice is coming, which is the food reward. So you have to first pair the clicker Mm -hmm. with the food. So it might include them touching your hand, possibly clicking and treating. And then you build it up, and you can do lots of different tasks, and you click and treat. Um, it's, it's quite complicated, so you need to go off and do your research. Um, I obviously always get my advice from Ben Hart on the clicker training because he's fantastic with clicker training. Um, and he works very closely with the Donkey Sanctuary as well with their donkeys oh. and clicker training. Um, so if in doubt, go and watch some YouTube videos. Remember that the timing is really important. But you generally can't go that wrong with it because it's all positive rewards, so you've got no negative mm. um, punishment in there at all. 
So in a dangerous situation then, when your horse is spooking and, and freaking out a little bit, the clicker, would that be like a calming uh, mechanism? You, you, well, you wouldn't have a clicker on you, would you, in, in, in that situation. But it might be that the food enough is, is just all right to sort of calm the horse mm. down and to take the edge off. Oh, luckily, we were okay. We all got off. The horses finally calmed down <laughs> and we managed to walk back. But it's that in, insane situation where you think, I, I know that we all go through so many different scenarios and we've got the, the standard ones and the plastic bags and the cars and the tractors and all that scary. But every now and again, as long as long for as long as you own a horse, you're going to have situations where you think, Gosh, did I handle that right? Did I hand that, handle that as well as I could have done? Or what would what would you have done? What would somebody else have done that's more yeah. experienced in that situation? It's you just can't predict it. I mean, I've had loads of accidents and loads of things happen to me from young child up until even today. And I think you just have to think on your feet and you have to find a solution to the problem at that time. And then you learn from your mistakes and you can improve on them for next time. What was your hardest one that you went through? What, um, what accidents? Yeah. Or, or learning experience where you thought, oh, actually. Probably. I used to train a really lovely mare here. Um, she came in, she was very scared of anything to do with her hindquarters so she her defense mechanism was to spin and kick out at you with both back legs and squirt urine at you um and she was so so defensive um i worked with her for about two years and i learned so much from that pony like so much and she completely pulled on my heartstrings she i suppose she taught me not to trust 100 percent, which i think is a good thing because it Mm. keeps you safe um she taught me i suppose how you can overcome really bad problems and really potential dangerous problems and you can overcome them just with positive rewards and trust Mm -hmm. um so yeah, it took me about two years, ended up doing horse shows with her and all sorts. Oh, wow. But yeah, she was almost unhandable when she came came in and, and we really turned her around. So that's my little success story of probably <laughs> who I've learned the most from. And did she go to a nice home at the end? Um, she actually <laughs> No, it's oh, a really nice. sad ending. Um she bolted around the field with her friends in the field and she tore um a ligament. Oh. and it was unrepairable and we had to make a heartbreaking decision with the vets to put her to sleep that broke my heart because after two years of really hard work of hard mm. trusting me and loving us bits um yeah it all ended in tragedy so it's really sad that must have been really hard for you as well because you'd bonded with her so much and you'd brought her through so much it is i think this is the really hard bit of of this job and i think people wanting to go into welfare have to think really carefully about how much they can cope with whether they're tough enough to take it on it's a very tough job and it's relentless you know it's it's one in it's one out Mm. so you see problem after problem and i think which is is very hard um you have to be able to deal with euthanasia because unfortunately a, a lot of the horses that come in have veterinary problems that can't be fixed it's very occasional that we might get behavior problem where the horse is literally so scared that putting it that through any training is going to cause it so much distress that mm. it's really not worth it for the welfare of the horse so it's something that we don't take lightly at all um it's a huge decision to make but it's a very responsible one i think Yes, because you, you've still got the horse's best interests at heart. You know, yes. It's not because you can't fix it or it's not because you don't want to or you don't have the money to or anything like that. It's because it's not fair on the horse for the horse to yeah. continue. 
we will put um, as much time in as possible. You know, the grooms are so passionate about what they do and they would literally spend every hour of every day trying to sort out a problem with a horse. But I think you have to think realistically of the welfare of the horse and whether that welfare is going to potentially suffer if you carry on training it or, or what have you. So, yeah, we think long and hard about decisions and they're heartbreaking and you've got to be quite tough to be in this job. Yeah, do you think you get a little bit harder after being yeah. in a while? No. Because I, I live in this little dream world of every pony that goes in, you know, it beats you and then it's you have this lovely training and then it goes on and lives a lovely, happy life forever. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. But it kind of... Most of them do, I have to say. Most of them do. But... It is heartbreaking, even when you rehome them, although it's a happy side that they've gone to a new home, it's also sad because you know that you might never see that horse again. You've got such a bond with it. So it's almost like, I don't know, it's almost like you feel like... A baby that's flying the nest. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And it's just horse after horse after horse. And I think you you have to become accustomed and a little bit hard to that because that's your job. And you have to remember that you're trying to help as many horses as possible because there's so many horses out there that, that need our help. A huge waiting list will always fall. So. so how do you then deal with the humans? How do you deal with okay. the people that you have to meet? Not the ones that take on the horses, but the ones that have given you the horses. Okay, so um, people do give up horses very responsibly. And mm. obviously, um, you know, that's to be commended, really. If they if they've got the heart to ring up and say, look, my situation's changed, whether it's through finance, loss of job, old age, illness, or what have you, they've asked for help. So we're really grateful that they've asked for help because they're thinking about their horse first. Um, so that's always quite nice. Um, welfare lifts, sometimes you have to go in with a bit of caution because I think not everybody has the same perception. Sometimes they don't do things necessarily bad um mm. they just don't have the same perception of how to look after horses say we would um and so that's you where have... you come in isn't it because you yeah. then educate you're trying to educate new people more people onto how to look after their horses yeah. i'm guessing to prevent then more welfare yes. cases 
I feel quite passionate, and this is why I've moved over to education, that I've seen so many horses come through the doors of the Blue Cross, and I think if only I can get there earlier and I can prevent people from breeding from their horse or um, from not feeding it the right food or, you know, leaving it out without shelter. Those basic requirements or even calling the vet when needed. If I can just educate and change a few people's perception on how to look after a horse, then I feel like I've done my job and maybe prevented a horse coming into the Blue Cross and going through that suffering beforehand. Mm. I was talking to Hope Pastures um, about a similar thing because they're, they're trying to educate as well. Um, and I think it's so great when the community gets together, the equestrian industry gets together yeah. and says, look, this is a serious problem. We're all aware of the serious problem. You guys are national, which is amazing because you cover such a huge area. It is great that there's smaller charities that are in little, you know, in, yeah. the, in the smaller counties because you're inundated. There's only so much you can, there's only so much room you have. There's only yeah. so much room they have. But by everybody getting together and saying, look, we know this is an issue. We need to help with education when I was talking to Hope Pastures I said to her well why don't we get into schools can we not do days where we go into schools and try and get them at a young young level and that's exactly what we did ah! so, um, <laughs> yes. so we offer various talks and so not even just horse talks we we do uh, responsible general pet care where we cover horses but it could be anything from hamsters to horses um, we do dog safety, we do horse welfare talks and our status dog workshop as well. So we would write to schools, we would market to schools, we would, any avenue to get in, basically mm. we, we would do. Um, and we would go in there and we would deliver talks to improve animal welfare. We have about 170 trained volunteers that basically do our job. And they go out and they deliver these talks. Um, we visit pony club groups as well to do um, the five welfare needs with them. So any group basically that have us in where we can educate, we like to go in and we like to catch them as early as possible so that we can ingrain those basic messages in them to prevent welfare problems in the future. So if I was the headmistress of a school then, could I phone you up and say, hey Gemma, can you come down and teach the kids in a couple of weeks time? So if you were interested in booking a talk, you could go onto our website and you can book a talk through our website. You put all your information in. We'll let you know if there's a trained volunteer or an education officer nearby. We'll get you booked in and then we come and visit. And is this a free service? It's all free, yes. That's amazing. All supported by the charity. Because uh, Blue Cross just believes by catching them early and doing that vital education, we can prevent so many problems in the future because the youngsters are our future generation horse owners, dog owners, cat owners. So, yeah. The other issue that I'm hearing a lot about, though, is parents that are buying their children horses and they don't know themselves how to look after the animals. So I believe that everybody should have to do a test before they have an animal. And I've said this a million times, you have to do a driving <laughs> test before you get in a car. You know, you have to do all these tests. Why can't we do a test where you have to know the basics of looking after a pet, whatever it is? Do you know what? It would be fantastic, wouldn't it? Yes. But it would be such a huge thing to do. Um, I know a lot of people talk about that, about a dog and, and licensing and exams and things like that. They think it'd be great. Um, but it's such a huge thing to 
bring in and to monitor and what have you about to know i mean well i, I thought of an I idea i think it'd be amazing and have you had animals before and and also it would take off then you have a list of, of offenders that have abused animals that shouldn't be allowed them and it means that the people that are buying and selling the horse that are selling the animals shouldn't be selling to those people that was on that list but anyway i'm not in the government and i'm not an mp so there's only so much i can do but it would be brilliant if we could put together a checklist almost. If you know you can buy sales agreements, you get sales agreements when you sell horses. But along with the sale agreements comes a checklist of how to look after that animal. So it becomes That's, a requirement. Yeah, we do do um, information on how to look after our horses when we rehome them. So they go home with a, a binder and it says their current weight at the moment, their body score at the moment, when they were last worm, when they were last vaccinated. And you get little sheets that you can record all your information in so that when the welfare officer goes out to have a little visit of the pony, so it's really easy for her to read the information. Um, and it opens up that bond as well with the borrower. So if they've got any problems, they can phone us and, and let us know. That's brilliant because your welfare officers do check up on the horses to make sure they're okay. But there are so many that are sold that are too... And when I say uneducated people I don't mean uneducated and they didn't go to school I mean uneducated in how to look after the animal because yeah. they're lovely people and they want to do the best but they think that by feeding it five biscuits it's giving it a treat when actually there's chocolate and it's harming the horse you know they should be yeah. feeding them carrots and, and the basic things like that so your education then is a brilliant idea do you go to like scouts and brownies yeah. and any group that have us so we do anything from scouts brownies we visit prisons with certain workshops we go to obviously the link days and castration days so we, we visit any group really that's willing to have us in so what about livery yards and riding schools could they invite you down too yes they can yeah so if they've got a group of youngsters that would like welfare horse talk they can obviously apply through our um website mm. book a talk and we can come and visit them yeah. so it's almost like the livery yards could have a new owner day where anybody that's thinking of getting a horse or has just bought a horse can come down to the new owner day and that's when you guys come down and say look these are the real basic things that you guys need to be thinking about the vet the shoes the feed the weight the tack is the tack okay the are they living out have you got the shelter well we obviously um deal with in our education department with um children and youngsters and youths so as long as the group was sort of under 21 years old mainly we would go out and visit because we believe by catching them young they're like sponges they mm. want to absorb that information and, and we can change the future welfare of, of the animals brilliant so we just need to head to your website bluecross.bluecross.org.uk excellent and if you want to take part in the survey as yeah, well yes so you've got a fun. survey going on which yeah. is you're trying to find as much information about different horses and their health as possible yeah, so it's called the National Equine Health Survey. Um, it's run each year on an annual basis. It's a snapshot survey. This year, it's from the 23rd of May to 30th of May. We're looking for people to register now. They get an email reminder when the survey opens. And then that week, we want them literally to log on, fill out a quick survey monkey. And we want to know whether they've got one horse or 100 horses, what are the health conditions that your horses are suffering from in that week? So are they suffering from laminitis? Are they lame? Have they got skin conditions? Have they got strangles? We want to know everything about it. It's a huge list that we're collecting, um, which is fantastic. And then it all goes off to the Royal Vet College afterwards. 
And they then break that information down to what do they get from it? So they end up with a huge, huge spreadsheet. Last year, we had 15,000 horses take part. Wow. This year, our target is 17,000, which is where we need your help. <laughs> and we need as many people to sign up. Um, so then they would get a huge, huge spreadsheet and they would start breaking down and looking at the trends that would occur. So last year, lameness was most prevalent in, in the horses that were recorded in the survey, followed by skin conditions. We're seeing those same trends year upon year, which is why this year we've decided to look um, in more depth on lameness. You know, what types of lameness are these horses suffering from? Is it to do with geographical region? Is it to do with um, what discipline they're in? Um, So we can start sort of pinpointing exactly what's going on, which can lead way to future research. And it's mega easy, isn't it? You just log online, fill in the details. And what does it take, five minutes? Uh, It'll take five to ten minutes. You can win fantastic prizes as well. Oh, really? Uh, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's sponsored by Dawson and Horrell and Zoetis. Um, And you can win some Ariat boots. Oh, nice. uh, Horse clippers um, (laughs) or tickets to Olympia. So it's really worth doing. And we help the future UK horse health population. So even better. Oh, it's great. Because the more data that we can collate and get together... The, it's going to be easier to then prevent things happening in the future. Yes. Yeah, it's all about, I mean, education is all about preventative strategies and trying to stop those things from happening. So if we can pinpoint that laminitis has gone up hugely, then we know to do more laminitis research um, or look into lameness a little bit more or certain skin conditions a little bit more. So it really helps us to pinpoint what's needed in the UK. But um, Blue Cross just runs it on behalf of all the other equine charities and organisations. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're really thankful to run it and we have the support of everyone. So we just need the support of um, your listeners really to take part and help us. Oh, well, they love, we love a survey. We love anything oh, to be able well. to give out information <laughs> about our horses. It's, it's brilliant. Um, so you did this last year. It was last year the first year that you collated the information no we've actually done six surveys before that so this year will be the seventh um survey that oh, we've good. done um basically it's just growing year upon year because we had to start it up from very small numbers and we need the numbers to be much much bigger so that we can get a real representation of uk population and their horses health mm. I'd be really interested to know those figures and know what the guys come up with. Do you have any reports from last year? Yes, we do. Yes. Um, I can send you a report if anyone wants one. Obviously, they can email me at gemma.taylorblucross.org.uk. Um, I can send it over. It's really interesting reading, actually. We're... Is it public? Is it a public thing? Is it something that yeah, we can put so on our website? Yes, I can send it over. You can we'll do that the website, then. And we you. release it every August on our website for survey that happens just before oh great so we'll get that on horsehour.org then and um and it will show the breakdown of the results of last year's survey and then in august when you release the new one from this survey we can update it and hopefully it'll be really nice to see if some specific problems have gone down like laminitis yeah i mean it's everything from colics to back problems to lamenesses all sorts and the gastric ulcers Really? Because that's a big one at the moment as well. That's, there seems to be a lot about that. For this year, yeah. We had, um, we had like a other comments box last year and uh, we had loads of people fill in that their horse had gastric ulcers. So we thought, actually, we need to add it to this year's survey because we need mm. to know exactly what's going on and w- what horses are suffering from it. 
Do you have a box that says horse goes crazy because of spring grass? <laughs> no. All ours have gone mental this last week. And I swear it's the spring grass because they've just gone dulali. I was speaking to the, uh, one of the welfare officers earlier and, and she said that literally the grass everywhere she goes is just shooting up yeah. and everyone's being really careful about laminitis, their horse getting overweight um, and for some reason I think it's where it's been warm but very sort of moist and wet as well which is just perfect grass growing conditions. Well absolutely it's been warm but we had snow in the same day which was quite insane. Yeah, we had snow today. I mean- <laughs> yeah. It's ridiculous. So now we don't know whether to rug or... Because you don't want to rug too much because then, you want yeah. them to lose a little bit of weight just coming into summer, spring. Um, so it's like, ah, oh, what do we do? I feel like there's the world's had a bit of a spin. But the spring grass is definitely there, no doubt about that. Because... Definitely there, definitely something to watch out for as well. Thank you so much, Gemma. It's been fascinating. <laughs> if we'd like to you know, find out more about the education, then we just head to bluecross.org.uk. You're on Twitter as well, aren't you? We are. It's at Blue Cross Edgy. Okay. Oh, brilliant. So you've got your own your own Twitter. Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. And if anyone's got any questions, can they tweet you? They can, yes. They can tweet us. They can private message us. Um, we're also at Badminton. We've got a stand at Badminton. So you can always come and speak to me personally if you'd like to or my colleague Hannah. Um, and we'd love to see you. Oh, that'll be fabulous. It's been amazing. Thank you so much Thank for you. your time. Good luck. And um, can we catch up in August, please, when you've got the results? Yes. Definitely, yes. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. See you. Bye. You've been listening to Horse Hour. Join the community on Twitter, Mondays, 8pm UK time, 3pm Eastern, by using the hashtag Horse Hour. Follow Amy at AmyStevenson1 and subscribe to us on Acast, iTunes, Stitcher and Player FM. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.